Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Online here at PCC. You can settle down from your Sunday dance moves and sit on the couch. Well, actually, you can keep dancing. Nobody's going to know. So your choice, either sit down or keep with your church dance movements. You might recall that last week Gary spoke from 1 Peter 5, 7 in the verse, Cast all your cares, cast all your concerns, cast all your anxieties on God, for He cares for you. And you remember that Gary used the analogy of a, someone who was fishing and casting with a rod and reel all their cares out into the ocean. How did you do this week in your casting? How did you do with all the things that came your way in this past week of taking your anxieties and your cares and your concern and casting them way out in the Pacific Ocean? How did I do? Well, thank you for asking. I think I did pretty good. For about 20 hours, I woke up on Monday morning and had some time reading in scripture and prayer and my casting was going okay. And then I looked to the morning headlines and saw that the stock market had just targeted downward and that the Dow Jones was down nearly 3,000 points. And suddenly my casting got snared, my line got snared in a tree above and I stopped casting. Suddenly everything went inward and my anxious thoughts about finances and about the coronavirus just sort of froze me. Three years ago, my friend Ted Pollock started teaching me how to fly fish. He's a great fly fisherman and he's taking me on several trips to go fly fishing and he's been instructing me on how to cast as a fly fisherman, back and forth, just a constant casting, back and forth. And I thought about that Monday morning as I was in my funk Peter, you just need to keep casting. You need to keep going back and forth. And that helped me to kind of get out of this anxious moment. And so I hope for the days ahead that God will give you the skill and the ability to keep casting your cares and your concerns on Him as you confront them each moment of the day. Now today we're going to pivot from our series in 1 Peter and move to a passage in Philippians. We're going to pivot from Peter to Paul. And Gary, for the next three weeks, is going to be speaking from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8. A few years ago, back when I was a freshman in college, and that was, um, well, that was a while ago, I had the honor and the privilege to do some scripture memory habits, and I memorized uh, two of the verses out of this passage, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And if I can remember, it goes something like this. Be anxious about nothing, but in supplication and prayer with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your souls in Christ Jesus. In these weeks to come, Gary will take us on a journey from moving out of our anxious thoughts and our anxious moments and take us on the pathway to the peace of God. Now I'd like to just remind you on our online worship experience, we have some children's videos that are available for you to use, 10, 15 minute videos for our children. Uh, we also have a form that you can access to uh, submit your prayer request. 
And then of course we have our online giving portals that you can use through PushPay or if you'd like to submit your offerings and your tithes uh, by mail into the church office. And now as we get ready to continue our worship and prayer, I'd like to use a prompt from David from Psalm 59 before we have our time of prayer. You are my strength, I watch for you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we cling to your love for us. As we cast our cares and anxious thoughts towards you, fill us this morning with melodies of your love and hope and peace. By your sovereign nature, may you be a companion in times of loneliness and isolation, a healer in times of sickness and discomfort, a provider in times of need and job suspensions, a comforter in times of discouragement, a lesson planner in times of school closures, and a dispenser of peace in times of anxiety. There is nothing we are experiencing that is unprecedented in your eyes. At the time of creation, you designed the original shelter in place, but with a different name, called a Sabbath rest. Grant us the wisdom and insight to seize this opportunity of extended Sabbath rest and to be beacons of the light of Christ who reflect your love and your peace in a time of crisis. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, PCC, so good to worship together. So good to focus our minds on the character of God and look to him because he never changes. And while our environment is changing and our uh, new regulations are coming on our home pages and out of Sacramento and out of Washington, seemingly daily now, we can look to the unchanging God who never changes. Praise the Lord. So I want to just take some time together, dig into God's word. As Peter said, we're going to jump into a new series for the next three weeks. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so already, get on Facebook and join one of our gathering groups, either PCC uh, 855, PCC 905, PCC Hudson, PCC 11. We're going to push a lot out through those groups and get information that way. If you haven't done it, please get on one of those groups. Hey, let's pray together and then we'll dive into God's word. Father, I thank you so much for who you are and who we can be in you in these times. Father, it seems like there are so many things pulling at our emotions, at our minds, and we want to just pause and take time in these next few minutes and focus on you. Feed us, Lord, as we say all the time, let the Spirit of God take the Word of God and do a work of God. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever had one of those moments where something took place and time stood still and you thought, I will never forget this moment? Seems like every generation does. Maybe I'm going to go generationally here. Maybe it's when you first heard that John F. Kennedy had been shot. Or for me, I remember uh, when Ronald Reagan was shot. I was a freshman in high school. And then four years later, I remember hearing that the space shuttle had blown up when I was in college. Maybe you remember first coming across 9-11 
Or for those of you who are younger, maybe it's when you heard Michael Jackson was dead. Or for those of us recently, when Kobe Bryant's helicopter went down. On Monday, we were gathering together as a, a leadership team and working through how do we serve you and our greater community well in the midst of this, these new realities and shutting down our Sundays and pushing them online. And I'll never forget, we were keeping our social distance. It was an awkward meeting. We were all over the fireside room. And Danny Bowers, our family ministries pastor, interrupted and said, oh my gosh, we just received a shelter-in-place order. The governor has called a shelter-in-place order effective at midnight. We realized then, wow, things are going to be different. And they are. I mean, the last couple of days walking through this week, uh, it is a different time. Here's my question for us, though. Does God have a word for us in this time? What does it mean as the people of God to focus on him and walk differently in this way? Really what we're talking about as a step is how do we empower the generations to passionately follow Christ one home at a time? I believe absolutely God has a word. And for the next three weeks, we're going to dive into that word. Philippians chapter four, verse four to eight. Now, I want to build some context for this, for the passage, before we actually jump in, talking about how to walk the path of peace, finding calm in the midst of chaos. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians, and you probably know this, but Paul became a Christian later in life. He had a career change, and part of his new career as an apostle, as an evangelist, entailed some interesting, let's call them perks. The job description entailed beatings multiple times, being misunderstood often, being shipwrecked, starving, mob-like trials, and then he talks about an unknown physical ailment that he received that was so painful, it was like having a thorn in his flesh. Well, at the end of his life, Paul's arrested, and he's placed under constant house arrest, literally a shelter in place, where he's chained to some prison guards, Roman guards, for two years. So he wrote this book while he was in a shelter in place order, if you will. And in the book of Philippians, he wrote a number of prison epistles that we know, but Philippians is one of them. What's amazing is that this letter under house arrest, shelter in place, it drips with joy. He mentions joy 16 times in four chapters. It drips with peace. He opens and closes the letter and talks in the passage we're going to be in about otherworldly peace. You know why that is? Because the letter drips with Jesus. Over 36 times in these four chapters, Jesus is mentioned in this book. Paul was a Christ-centered man. And what was amazing was you could change his environment, but it didn't change who Paul centered his life on. So I want to talk through in the next four weeks, three weeks, how do we find peace? Paul called it a secret in chapter four, and we're going to learn that secret. Before we dive in, I want to pause. And I want to ask you this question. I want you to ask each other this question. Ponder right now, what's causing you stress, anxiety, and worry amidst our coronavirus chaos? Maybe for you, it's anxiety of the unknown. Maybe it's the anxiety of social isolation. Maybe you're grieving what won't happen right now. That's hitting our home with graduations being canceled. 
Maybe it's the fact that the anxiety of now you're suddenly a homeschool parent. And what does that mean? Maybe your finances are going down the drain, as Peter mentioned, with the stock market crash and all this. I don't know what it is. I don't want to put that on you. But what is it that's causing you worry? Talk about that in the coming seconds. Listen, what I love about the scriptures is it never discounts the human experience. All of scripture completely validates that we are holistic beings, emotional, intellectual, physical beings, but it invites us to take all of us to the throne room of heaven. That's what Paul does in Philippians 4, verse 4 to 8. So grab your Bibles. If you're in bed watching this, grab it on your nightstand or whatever and open to Philippians chapter 4. And let me read this together. Paul says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all, all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then in verse eight, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In there's the path to peace. Is peace available for us? Absolutely. Why? Because of verse uh, five, the Lord is near. Can you repeat that with me out loud? I know that might seem weird, but I just want to speak that into your living environment where you are right now. Let's say it together. The Lord is near. Ready? One, two, three. The Lord is near. We may be mandated to practice shelter in place or social distancing, 
But I want you to know the Lord doesn't experience and doesn't practice any spiritual distancing. He is with you right now. Even as he's with us when we gather collectively, he is with you right now. So what are the paths to peace? I want to give you two steps today, just quickly, two steps. Here's the first, relentless rejoicing relentless rejoicing. Paul opens up in verse four and he says this, rejoice in the Lord, how often? Always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Friends, this is not a suggestion. This is not a recommendation. This isn't even advice from the apostle Paul because of what we view scripture, this is a command for our thriving and human flourishing from the throne room of heaven. Engage in a continual, habitual practice of rejoicing. I want you to know in these times, I have upped in my Pandora, and maybe for you at your Spotify, I have upped my experience of personal worship. The other day I was on the PCC Hudson uh, Facebook page and two sisters in Christ, shout out to them, Abby and Grace had put up 10 minutes of them with a guitar, just singing a worship song. They captured it and put it on the page. Abby and Grace, thank you. It just lifted my spirits in the midst of all the other headlines coming through my computer. Now don't hear what Paul isn't saying. He's not saying he's rejoicing in his imprisonment as his house imprisonment. He's not rejoicing in his shelter in place. We're not called to rejoice in everything that happens in our life. Scripture never calls us to rejoice in circumstances. That's not godly, that's just stupid if you're rejoicing in some circumstances. The key is the object of our rejoicing. What does Paul say? Rejoice in who? Rejoice in the Lord. And friends, this is a paradigm shift for so many followers of Christ because so much of, of us is just the human condition. We take happiness in circumstances. Paul says, now I'm actually going to rejoice in someone, not in something. And that someone is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had a personal relationship with that Lord. He's not rejoicing in some ethereal God. He's not rejoicing in a higher power. He's rejoicing in a personal God of the universe that's all-powerful whom he calls Lord. And by the way, the word Lord is found 16 times in the book of Philippians. Paul had signed his life over long ago to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know what that word means? Paul was saying, I'm no longer the ruler of my life. God, you be the CEO. You call the shots. And if you read the book of Philippians, I would encourage you to do that. You will see Paul is rejoicing in prison because God is using him in great ways. Paul has found that a key to peace, even in house imprisonment, is rejoicing in the Lord. I want to encourage you with this because so often I find it in my shelter in place, I'm waking up in the morning and I can go to grief, I can go to anxiety really quickly and worry. But you know what, when I hit a worship song, you know what I'm doing? I'm not listening to myself, I'm speaking to myself. And I wanna encourage you with that. Don't believe everything you think. Speak to your soul. Don't listen to yourself. Where do I get that? I get that from scripture. Uh, because here's the reality, and I'll get to the passage in a minute. You know who the greatest influence of you is? You. You. I've been reading articles this week about our inner dialogue. Do you know that your inner dialogue, you speak to yourself 
the equivalent of 4,000 words a minute. 10 times faster than you speak audibly, you speak internally. And that inner dialogue can make or break you. You know that. The psalmist in Psalm 103, verse 1 to 2 said this, and he's speaking to his soul, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his name, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It would be a fantastic practice for you on a daily basis to speak to your soul like the psalmist did. Say, come on, soul, God is good. Come on, soul, reflect on his benefits, rehearse his benefits, and rejoice in him. I don't know what that looks like for you, but for me, it's writing down a daily list of what I'm thankful for. For me, it's writing down and reflecting on the character of God. Like I already told you, it's my playlist on Pandora or on Spotify. Ask yourself and share with each other, what right here, right now, can we rejoice in regarding the character of God? What is it about his character that we see reflected in our life at this time. Talk that through. I hope that lifted your spirits. I want to pause together and rejoice in the Lord together. So pray with me, okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we rejoice right now, not in our circumstances, but we rejoice in who you are. As I've reflected this week, you are El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. No virus or shelter in place uh, orders can stop your mighty move and your love. You are El Roy, the God who sees. Lord, we might feel isolated, but you see right into our living space or our workspace or where we're sheltering in place. And you're Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We're gonna trust you, Lord, even as uh, news around us talks about scarcity. There's no scarcity in the kingdom of God. And you are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. For those who are sick, for those who have emotional health concerns, Lord, you are going to heal and you can heal. 
Lord, we rejoice that you are Yahweh Shalom, that you are the God of peace, a supernatural peace. And as we talk about walking the path to peace, may your peace prevail. Lord, we can go on and on and on, but we rejoice that you're never changing. And may we reflect more and more in who you are. We love you. We rejoice in you. Amen. So the path to peace starts with the first step. And friends, this is going to take discipline, but you'll get in this habit of rejoicing in the Lord always, relentless rejoicing. Now, let me just give you one more step before we close. Public and consistent gentleness. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Then verse five, Paul quickly goes to this. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then he says, the Lord is near. Now, remember where he's writing this from. He is literally, if you read Philippians 1, he is chained to prison guards. And you know what's great? If you read Philippians 1, they had to keep changing out the guards because he kept leading the guards to Christ. And Paul's like, right on, I get to start a prison ministry. This is cool. So even in prison, in this, this grotesque experience of a Roman house arrest, Paul is saying, I'm going to be gentle. And I want to encourage you, Paul says, if you want to walk a path to peace, practice public, consistent gentleness. What is gentleness? That is a rich word. And as I was reading the commentaries this week, I found that commentators had a rough time translating it. Some call it sweet reasonableness, an easygoing mindset. My favorite definition, I love it, is gracious humility. Gracious humility. This is a key step to the path of peace and entails more than being gentle. You know what Paul's saying? Be publicly gentle. You need to understand in Paul's day, gentleness was not honorable or virtuous. In the Roman Empire, gentleness was weak. A humble, gentle man was a weak man to be pitied. You know who changed all that? Jesus because he'd self-defined himself as gentle. In Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble at heart. Gentleness is being Christ-like. It's actually a fruit of the spirit that Paul would write from another prison epistle, the book of Galatians chapter five, verse 22 to 23. He said the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Paul's saying when you center your life on Christ, the spirit of God will produce this kind of fruit in your life. What I'm inviting us all to do is to ask the Spirit of God, especially in these times, but not only in these times. When we come out of our shelters, we need this more than ever, to be gentle people, as if Jesus' gentleness itself was manifesting itself through us. You know, it's cool for me as I'm hearing stories of PCCers doing this and more. I heard a story just today of a PCCer, and I'm gonna shout him out, Steve Mooney. He went on next door and he posted a gentle post. I want to read it to you. The the line, the the headline is, need a wipe? I can spare a square. 
Steve says, we bought in bulk way before it was cool. If our neighbors have run out, we're happy to quote, loan you some toilet paper. One roll per customer, please. Distribution, colon, we can arrange a clandestine Soviet era microfilm drop site to avoid authorities. And then in parentheses he says, isn't that exciting? Or if you're an infirm or afraid or simply stuck on the can, we can drive it to you and leave it on your doorstep. All rolls will be handled with triple washed hands and won't be caressed or held close to our faces. Some direct, uh, simply direct message me on my profile. A good neighbor has your backside. Love that, Steve. In all seriousness, he says, we're blessed to have healthy kids at home, plenty of food and water and shelter, and to live in a wonderful land with top level services. I refuse to give in to fear and hysteria. We'll get through this. So will you. Love to you all. And then he finished his post with this, Psalm 91. You know, after he posted that, as at the time that I'm recording this, Steve already has 200 comments on that post. Way to go, Steve. Gentleness is contagious. Let your gentleness be known to all. You know what the key to gentleness is? He says it in verse 5 of Philippians 4. Paul does. He says, the Lord is near. Now, in the original Greek language, there are two terms for near. There is chronologically near, like um, the best illustration I have of this is one of our own staff people, Aubrey Wilkerson. She's pregnant and she has a due date. And as each day goes by, chronologically, she gets closer to her due date. Her due date is near. Well, it's not near right now, but it's becoming nearer by the day. I love it. Shout out to Audrey. Aubrey, sorry, pray for her baby. Uh, but then there's near in proximity. In other words, we have to keep six feet of distance or shelter in place. We are farther from each other than ever before. Uh, but there's a near proximity, and that's the near that Paul's talking about. He's saying, you know what, whether I'm in prison or whether I'm on a ship, whether I'm walking a road or going to the Jewish temple or being kicked out of the synagogue or being thrown into an amphitheater in a mob-like trial, God is always near me. So I can be gentle. That's the key to public gentleness, that God's near, God's got this. He's my Lord, I signed over my life to him and he hasn't betrayed me and he will never leave me. Psalm 73 verse 28, the psalmist says, but as for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the sovereign, are you ready? Lord, my shelter, I love that. Paul's saying, you know what, this all powerful God He's as present to me here in this prison as I'm sheltered in place than he was when I was in the synagogue. See, in a world filled with anxiety and worry around the spread of COVID-19, and rightly so, I mean, we need to take this seriously. We need to be good neighbors. Our prayer at PCC is that we would be a church of non-anxious presence to our neighbors. And you're doing that. I'm hearing story after story after story of you doing that. So I want you to hit pause one last time, the last time you'll hit pause, and ask, how can I, how can we, if you're watching this as a community, how can we be publicly gentle with people? Whether it's through Nextdoor or some of the other community apps that are blowing up right now, or whether it's putting something out, I heard uh, of a PCC or literally 
putting out a letter and putting it in the mailbox of his neighbors and her neighbors as a couple saying, hey, we're here for you if you need anything, even if it's prayer. What is it for you that can practice public gentleness with each other and with our community? Answer that right now. So there's the first two steps on the path to peace. We're going to get to more next week, but I've got a homework assignment for you. I want to encourage you to uh, download and memorize Philippians 4, 4 to 8. You can look it in your old paper Bible or get it on the U version, but memorize Philippians 4, 4 to 8. Scripture calls us to do this, friends, and it encourages us that we can actually experience being transformed as we renew our minds. And we'll get to that in two weeks when we talk about Philippians 4, 8. So that's your homework assignment, Philippians 4, verse 4 to 8. And then walk the first two steps of the path to peace. Rejoice in the Lord always. Relentless rejoicing. And then a public commitment to practicing gentleness. We can experience a supernatural calm in the midst of chaos. We can. Don't you want that? I want that too. It's available for all. It's an unconditional promise, but it's based on one thing. And it's my closing question. It's the most important question I could ask you this week. It's based on this one question. Who's going to be Lord of your life? If you're trying to run your life and control your life and your circumstances, you'll never experience peace. Because life is way too big. There are too many contingencies in life. My goodness, if this past month, if this past month has taught us anything, there are way too many contingencies outside of our control. Control is a myth, friend. The only way I've seen and experienced peace and thousands and thousands of others, millions throughout church history, even the Apostle Paul in the midst of being in prison is to hand over the rulership of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we close, I want to invite you to do that right now. Maybe you've done that. I find for me, I have to renew that commitment on a regular daily basis. As I wake up and start my new day, I have to reorient my life to the eternal, sovereign, 
all-powerful God of the universe and remind him, you're the Lord. You run my life today. You call any audible you want and you use me to build your kingdom. Or as we're saying this year in 2020, your kingdom come, your will be done through me in Redwood City as it is in heaven. So as we pray, I wanna invite you to pray with me and hand over the Lordship of your life, the rulership of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of you, this is gonna be the first time you've done that. For others, it's just recommitting to that. But let's do it together. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in you and we give you the praise that you deserve. Your word says you cause all things to work together for good to those who love you and those who are called according to your purpose. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. And together today, on this Sunday, we declare you are Lord. You run the shots. You call the shots. You run our life. We hand over the control of our life and all these unknowns that can call us, cause us anxiety and worry, as we learned last week, we cast those onto you because you are a much better ruler than even we are of our lives, of our health, of our finances, of our uh, income, of what we're going to eat. You're a much better Lord of our toilet paper supply, of our water supply, of our kids. We give it all to you. We only ask that you would use us for your glory. As we're praying in our Lenten prayer every day, we say to you, the answer is yes. Now what's your question? Use us any way you see fit and bring that supernatural peace upon us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's been great being with you. Uh, you'll see me and hear from me much more this week. But right now, let's just go to worship that Lord for who he is. Let's worship him because he's so worthy. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.